CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. The Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell, and we are back yet again talking more CFL football with our Week 8 CFL preview. Uh, week 8 is just around the corner with a Thursday night doubleheader to kick things off. Uh, so we're here to break down each of the matchups coming up this week. Uh, we will be joined at some point uh, later on in the show by the great Travis Curra of the Two and Out CFL podcast. Uh, to break down these matchups as well. We don't have a bomber game to do a full game breakdown, uh, but I got a chance to sit down with Travis and uh, talk each of the matchups this week and all the news that came out in the CFL this week as well. But first, we go through and uh, we talk about each of these games and we talk about the keys of the games with uh, the other half of the duo here, Michael Garrell. Mike, how are you this evening? Not too bad, not too bad. Certainly, back-to-back uh, -back days of CFL talk is always fun. Uh, of course, we just did our Week 7 recap last night, and that's out on all the podcast feeds, so check that out if you haven't done so already. And also, of course, the Canadian Football Countdown is a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out all of the great CF Pod Network shows at CF Pod Network on Twitter and cfpodnetwork.ca. Mike, flashback to last week before we move over, move on to the next one. Uh, pick them. How'd you do? Three and one. Three and one. Uh, which game did you have wrong? I had the Ryder Calgary game wrong. For me, it was unfortunately a much worse week. Uh, a one and three record. I got the Calgary game right. And uh, if you flash back to last week on the podcast, you'll remember, yes, I took Edmonton over Montreal. But then, Mike, I switched it five minutes before kickoff. And, and yes, took, yes, I was informed of this much, people. And took the Alouettes, uh, trying to make up some ground because I haven't been doing great in the CFL pick'em. Uh, went out on a hunch in that one, and, uh, well, it didn't go so well. So a one and three week for me, I'll look to rebound this week. And I'll look to uh, also rebound a bit in CFL Fantasy. You know, still trying to get back to that 100-point mark. I had 88 this week. It looked like a good start, but fizzled out a little down the stretch. So uh, we will be talking CFL Fantasy at the end of the show this week. So a uh, bit of a format change on the preview, uh, just to spice things up a little bit. We're going to try this out and possibly go this way going forward. But what you can look forward to ahead on today's show uh, we'll talk each of the games briefly, kind of storylines, question marks going into them. Mike will give us a key of the game for each side, and we will make our picks. Uh, after that is when we'll have my interview with Travis Kerr of the Two and Out CFL podcast. And at the end, we will do our fantasy fix, talking uh, premium pickups, bargain bin buys, dollar drainers, uh, basically the must starts, the value picks, and uh, who to avoid uh, for CFL fantasy for week eight. So let's kick things off, Mike. So just to touch on this real quick, I'm going to just you came up with those names probably at 3 in the morning. 
no, actually in the shower about an hour and a half ago. Crazy. Because your, your line of fainting seems like the type of fainting someone would do when they're up in the middle of the night. Uh, I, I have too many thoughts going around in my head at three in the morning. One of them is sleep. Um, most nights. Talk to me when uh, when the university semester starts up again. But uh, that's another topic for another day. Uh, football. football. Uh, let's start with Thursday night. Ottawa-Toronto is the first game of the week. Toronto hosting Ottawa. And uh, the big question here is McLeod Bethel-Thompson getting the start for the Argos. What are you expecting? What are what? What's the expectations for him this week? Well, I, I think we... To be quite honest, I think we touched on it yesterday a little bit in our in our uh, weekly recap. But this is one of those things, to be very honest with people here, I don't know if this quarterback change is going to have that much an impact on what's already transpired. Yeah, I don't think so either. You know, Toronto's offense hasn't scored more than 20 points in a game this year. And to their credit, the Red Blacks actually have a pretty good defense. Noel Thorpe has come over this year. Uh, he's brought some pieces with him. Kyrie Bear. Yes, I know everyone kind of hates the guy right now because of, frankly, some of the hits he throws. But he has been an integral part of that defense. They're getting good play from their defensive line. Uh, this is a tough matchup for Toronto's offense. Yeah, it is. And it's also, in fairness, I, I think it's a real tough matchup for Toronto's uh, defense as well. Just because I think Ottawa didn't want to come out and redeem themselves after failing to basically score a touchdown last week and leaving everything up to their kicker. Right. Yeah, I mean, Ottawa. Ottawa's offense has had some up-and-down games this year. Trying to find consistency, right? The, the Argos on offense are looking for a spark, and Ottawa's just trying to come up with consistency because they have put up some big games uh, so far this year. The 4-2... and two, Ottawa. They haven't lost anybody but Calgary yet. Uh, Toronto is one and five. They're trying to pick things up here. You know, things could quickly get out of hand for Toronto if they don't pick up a win anytime soon. Would you agree with that? Well, I mean, again, you're in the West, or sorry, you're in the East, uh, which is quite frankly the weaker sister um, at this point. But you know. BC in 2011, Bomber fans will not want to remember this one, but I remember a BC team starting 0-5 or 1-5 and winning the Great Cup. Yeah, I think they started 0-6 that year, actually. So, you know, but results like that are few and far between. And I just, to be honest with you, like now... We're having a runaway candidate as far as the East Division goes. And no disrespect to the rest of that division. Toronto has to get this ship in the right direction in the next two weeks, or the ship will have sailed. So, Mike, give us the keys of the game. Uh, Let's start with Toronto. What do they need to do in order to win this one? Well, I think it's quite simply trying to get over that uh, 20-point threshold for the first time this year and... You know, if you were to dumb it down even more, I think it's just just as simple as offensive line play to give uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson some some kind of looks as a quarterback uh, and kind of not overwhelm him. But 
if you're asking me what I saw in the preseason and if it's going to transpire tomorrow, you know, let's just say everything has to go right for Toronto, in my opinion, to win this game. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. And then from Ottawa's side of the ball, uh, what's the key there? Well, for Ottawa, plain and simple, you're expected to win this game. Don't shoot yourselves in the foot trying to do so. Right. And, and that, that's no disrespect to Toronto whatsoever. But just if you look at the records, four and two uh, against one and five. Um, man, I mean, it it is every bit as lopsided. As it looks, only just because Toronto's offense can't hit the 20-point mark. Well, and just to add to what you were saying about Ottawa shooting themselves in the foot, you know, they've lost two games to Calgary this year, but I would dare argue in those two losses to Calgary, specifically the first one, they almost kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit. It was a winnable game for the most part of the first one, at least, yep. with Calgary, but uh, a couple, you know, drops from their wide receivers, overthrown balls a couple penalties. Ottawa kind of shot themselves in the foot in that game. So uh, eliminate that, and you're going to have a pretty good day if you're the Red Blacks. The the biggest thing also, Ryan, I see if I can add a counterpoint to that. Sure. Is get sixes and not threes. For sure, yeah. Yeah, that that would be a that would be a big key. Uh, you know, you, if you that helps you get that offensive consistency. It doesn't help to march all the way down the field and only end up with three points when you're in the red zone. Uh, pick in this game, Ottawa, Toronto, sounds like you're going with Ottawa. Is that correct? Well, it is correct. And, and just from the standpoint of another follow-up point about Toronto, I'm just, just fainting here as we're talking about this. If the Ardoes are going to have any kind of chance at all, their defense needs to force turnovers and score points, just like they did in that bomber game two weeks ago. Agreed. Uh, I really wonder... I'm interested to see what the attendance at BMO Field is going to be because certainly after those last two games against the Bombers, there's no way it got better. Uh, you know, you talk about backup or new quarterbacks getting a start, whereas Johnny Manziel with Montreal is going to drag p- people into the stand. I don't think anybody in Toronto is clamoring to go buy a ticket to an Argos game to watch McLeod Bethel-Thompson right now. Uh, he's an unknown. We don't know what we're going to see from him. Um I do like to take my chance uh, on value plays at quarterback, and we'll get into fantasy later, but I, I don't have high hopes for Bethel Thompson and the Argos offense. Uh, I think Ottawa runs away with this game, so I'm taking the Red Blacks with you on so, this one. So just a counter question. We both picked the Red Blacks. Yeah. What, what would be a good night for Toronto? Well, certainly a win is the, the ideal night. But uh, I think it really is get over that 20-point threshold and, you know, keep it within a touchdown. Easier said than done. For sure. We move into the second game of the doubleheader on Thursday night. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders facing the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, New look Riders offense in this game. And the question becomes, how do they perform? Uh, You get Zach Caleros back from injury. He looks to be starting this week. Uh, will he play the entire game? That is a question still, I think, to be answered. Um, I I don't know. I, I think he'll certainly get the bulk of the plays, but Chris Jones likes to play musical chairs. So it remains to be seen on that front. He gets Deron Carter back on offense. 
Of course, as we talked about on our recap show, Jerome Messam no longer with the team after criminal charges. Uh, so you have a less crowded backfield of Trey Mason, Marcus Thigpen. What are you expecting from Saskatchewan's offense? I expect a much better output. There's no more excuses. Uh, uh, we didn't have a quarterback. We didn't have Duran on offense. You know, we don't have consistency at running back. We don't have consistency at offensive line. There are no excuses for the Riders. Not to mention, you have to think Steve McAdoo is under fire a little bit for the game plan he drew up last week, right? Well, again, I mean, the game plan and the game plan. Now you got your number one quarterback back in there. You should have a full complement of a, a playbook. And it goes back to what I said. There's, there's basically no excuses. Uh, Edmonton's at home. They blow out the Alouettes last week. Uh, are we expecting another week like last week from Mike Riley? Uh, he's facing a much tougher defense in the Riders' defense this week. Well, that's the unknown, right? Has Mike Riley played a defense like what he's going to see? I can't recall. Um, you know, Hamilton. Toronto... Well, Hamilton, Hamilton. Hamilton in week two uh, was arguably... Uh, it was week two or week three was arguably... Uh, the toughest defense he faced. And Toronto shut him down, at least on the scoreboard, in both games. Yeah, so, you know, I would say Edmonton should win the game, but Danny Dutch's catch when coming off a short week and how much that plays into it. They only played Saturday, uh, plus they had a travel day today to get down there. So really one and a half practices and a new – and. You know, a new quarterback, and interesting for me was that one of the guys that's going to be sitting out for Saskatchewan tomorrow is Caleb Hawley. Oh, really? Yeah, he, he was not on the 40-man uh, roster uh, tomorrow. Uh, keys of the game. Uh, let's start with the home team, the Eskimos. Well, they need to keep doing what they've been doing. And, and I know it sounds like beat, beating beating the bush a little bit. Let's see a bit of a running game. Uh, Edmonton, to me, is in much of the same boat. I know I criticized Hamilton for a lot of a running game. I want to see Edmonton get a running game, too. Control the clock. Um, you know, Edmonton has to kind of take a page or watch, I guess, what uh, Saskatchewan did to Calgary defense last week, and they have to keep drive short. They have to take away the short stuff. Beware of the long passes to Duran Carter. Yeah, and that Duran Carter back on offense makes this interesting here. I agree with you. The big thing for me, if I can chime in, key of the game yep. for the Eskimos, eliminate the dang penalties. Yep. Like, my goodness, last week, over 100 yards of penalties in the first half alone uh, basically kept Montreal, you know, within distance to an extent. Uh, if they would have made some of those field goals and connected on some of those passes. Uh, far too many penalties in recent weeks for Edmonton. They need to clean that up. Uh, how about the Riders? What's the key here? Quickly, I'll say this about Edmonton and the penalties. If they take, 100 and, if they take over 100 yards in penalties, I think they'll be hard-pressed to win the game tomorrow. I, yeah, I agree. Uh, and then Saskatchewan's key of the game. What is it? Uh, get Talaros involved. Get him comfortable. Um, try to avoid screen passes that seem to be every set in the third play last week. And I know that that annoyed a lot of Ryder fans. Um, use your offensive line 
exposed some weaknesses on Edmonton defense. It's still kind of a work in progress there on the back end. I use your running game. And to me, the biggest thing right now for the Riders is don't re- don't replicate the first quarter of Saturday's game and keep yourself in such an manageable. Right. Uh, so picks in this game. We'll start with you, Edmonton, Saskatchewan. Who you got? I got the Riders. Oh, ho, 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 ho. We are, uh, we're in agreement here, Mike. I am going with the Riders as well. Um, you know, Edmonton, to me, how are you going to stop Mike Riley is the big question. Who the heck is going to stop Duke Williams? Um, but if anyone can do it, I think it's the Saskatchewan defense. They have stepped up. They have made plays all year long. Uh, I think they might have a defensive touchdown in almost every game this season. That's going to help out your offense, and I think the offense is going to be a lot better this week with Caleros, with Deron Carter, uh, both on offense this week. So uh, I'm not 100% sure, Ryan, on the stats, but I think the Riders might actually have one more offensive touchdown than defensive touchdown or the other way around. Something like that, yeah. Um, what's the biggest reason for you that you're taking Saskatchewan? Well, I just think it's a whole new energy in the huddle when your number one quarterback comes back and when you're when the best player on your team is playing the position that he should be playing. Yeah, and, and I'll admit, you know, some people might think, oh, you're a little crazy here to take Saskatchewan over Edmonton. After all, Edmonton's, what, 4-2 and two on the year, and they've looked great uh, for the most part. I'm still not sold on Edmonton, I'll be honest. I don't know what it is. Uh, I still don't believe in that defense, despite, you know, putting up a big, like, seven-sack game against Montreal last week. Um, certainly, I believe in Edmonton's offense, but... You're facing a tough Saskatchewan defense that I think might surprise them a little bit here. So uh, we are both taking Saskatchewan uh, for, would you call it an upset? No, I the West is so close. I mean, I wouldn't call it an upset. That's fair. Uh, By the way, this is the live mic game. Wonderful. Uh, Jason Maz. So uh, that means we'll hear from Chris Jones. We'll hear from at least one coach tomorrow. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, Jason Maz is not going to talk into the microphone. Uh, knowing Chris Jones, he learned an entirely different language to do all his play calling in, uh, constantly trying to find the next trick up his sleeve. Um, anyways, moving on to the Friday game, uh, Manziel Mania is really the big storyline of this one. Montreal hosting Hamilton. Johnny Manziel will start. Uh, that was confirmed by Mike Sherman. I, I, I'm sure it's more than a 20% chance this week he'll play, Mike. Um, Manzil, what are you expecting? What can we expect to see from him as he faces the Ticats? A lot of what we saw in the preseason. Which was what? Which was a dive that didn't really turn the ball over. A dive that was very cautiously pushing the ball down the field. A dive that did nothing to get himself cut from cut from the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Yeah, no, he and he wasn't cut from the Tiger Cats, right? He was traded in return for some pretty good pieces that will be in Hamilton's lineup. And very interesting one is the one guy that went back in that trade is Jamal Westerman uh, going up against Johnny Manziel. As you remember in the preseason, they had a bit of a 
a bit of a spat. I forget. I don't think Westerman, you know, welcomed Johnny into the league, so to say. So uh, you have to think facing his former team, he's going to be looking to get after the quarterback that he's got a bit of beef with. Here's a question for you. Yeah. How much of how how much of your Hamilton do you change on defenses? What do you mean? Well, I mean, Johnny Mandel literally practiced against that defense in the preseason the first couple weeks of the season. I, I don't I really don't think you change that much on defense if, if you're Hamilton. You know, let's be real here. How much of Montreal's offense has Johnny football learned in the week and a half? I certainly don't think it's the entire playbook. And, and maybe, you know, based on their offensive track record, maybe that's a good thing. Um, if he hasn't learned the whole playbook, because the whole playbook certainly hasn't worked in recent years. Um, I, I'm expecting a middle-of-the-road game from him. I, I'm not expecting him to do terrible, and I'm not expecting him to come out necessarily and, you know, light up Hamilton's defense here. No, I agree, and I, I think if... I hate using this label, and I, and I know people hate when I use this label, but if he can use the game manager label, I think they'll be okay. If he can put on his best Matt Nichols costume, he will yep. do all right. Uh, keys of the game, Montreal, or first of all, Hamilton side of things. What 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 do we expect from Hamilton? Because uh, they started out good. They lost three straight now coming into this game. Uh, is this the time for them to bounce back? It is. On paper, they should bounce back. I don't want to know what will happen in uh, in the hammer if they lose this game. Um, so keys of the game. Let's start with the home team again, which is the Montreal Alouettes. Well, you know, you got your shiny new toy on the field. He only works if you protect them. So, so your, key, your key is the offensive line needs to step it up. Offensive line needs to step it up. Give Johnny some time to throw the football. I'm expecting Johnny to try to create plays with his legs. If you're Hamilton, you have to watch out, read his eyes, and that might tell you where he's going to go and minimize Manziel's running game if you're Hamilton. And you need to find a way to hit the end zone a couple times. For Montreal. For Hamilton. Oh, that's the key for Hamilton is find a way to hit the end zone. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, only one touchdown pass in the last three games for Mazzoli. Uh, two of those coming against the Stingy Riders defense uh, and an Ottawa defense, which is pretty good in their own right. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not sure, Ryan, what it is with this Hamilton offense in the second half, but they don't seem to be the greatest team in the lead at making adjustments. Now, Hamilton looks to be getting Luke Tasker back this week for sure. I believe Terrence Tolliver might be coming back as well. But it looks like Brandon Banks is up in the air. I heard he did have a knee brace on when practicing uh, the last couple of days. So we'll see how that plays out. And uh, another guy making his Montreal debut this week is Darius Bowman. Uh, do we expect him to be a go-to target for Johnny Manziel? He has to be, because he's the veteran guy in this receiving core now, whether he likes to hear it or not. Yeah, he, you know, he could be, he, he could be that guy that, he, you know, when the pressure's on, he, he looks at it a little, right? And, and, and there was a lot of um, whispers in CFL circles, uh, you know, Edmonton and the Bombers, and, oh, does he have it? 
You know, he's been on so many different teams, blah, blah, blah. I think he wants to go in there, and I think he wants to quiet the naysayers and have a fairly decent effort. So who are you taking in this game, Mike? Uh, from what you've said so far, I'm going to guess you're taking the Cats. Is that correct? No. No, you're going Montreal. Yeah, I just think, you know, uh, this game sounds too good to be a, a Johnny Mandel to Darius Bowman touchdown in the final minute. So you, you think it's got that storybook on it, the two new uh, pieces on that offense connecting for the final touchdown. Mike, I came into this podcast excited to you know, go out and be the one to take some risks here and possibly, you know, go out on a limb and make these picks that you weren't expecting. And you keep taking them from me. I'm taking mm-hmm. Montreal as well. I, I thought I was going to go different from you on uh, both the Saskatchewan pick and now the Montreal Alouettes. I took Montreal last week. It didn't work out for me, but I liked what I saw from the offense to an extent during that game. Um, I think Johnny Manziel does have a bit of pressure on him to come out and succeed in his first game. Uh, and, and I think that offensive line, you know, they did bring in a couple new pieces uh, in that Manziel trade as well that were playing their first game with the team last week. They've got another week of practice under them. And I mean, after that defensive performance, if you could even call it a performance last week, giving up five touchdowns to Mike Riley, you have to think that defense has a bit of fire under them to maybe, you know, rebound a little bit this week as well. Uh, Same thing with Boris Beattie, who missed three field goals last week. You know, he makes those. It's a bit of a different story, uh, perhaps against Edmonton. Uh, I'm shocked that I've picked Montreal to win two weeks in a row here, but yeah, I'm doing it. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. Uh, And then we get into our final game of the week, uh, the BC Lions visiting the Calgary Stampeders. I think the big storyline is still, you know, any game featuring Calgary is, is this finally the week that their defense cracks? Yeah, I mean, hopefully BC watched a lot of video on what the Saskatchewan tried to do, and the number one thing they got out of it is don't fall behind 24 nothing. Yeah, well, you do that, and it's basically game over. I mean, the Riders did come back a little bit. Uh, But BC comes off the bye week here. Uh, What do you think they did over the bye week or needed to do over the bye week uh, to prepare for this? Well, I think, you know, you cannot never have enough rest. Uh, Believe me, BC is the first team to have a second bye already. Yep, yep. Um, they had two buys before the Bombers even had one. Just the scheduling quirk. Absolutely. Because I think BC's other buy, and I could be slightly off on this, is Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, yeah, I'll look into that. Uh, yeah, it looks like... Uh, oh, sorry, Labor Day. Labor, Labor Day. Day weekend, yeah. So they have all their buys done by week 12 already, it looks like. Um Keys of the game for BC and Calgary. Let's start with the home team, Calgary. Um, do they need to do anything different than what they've done? <laughs> well, I mean, this might be a tongue-in-cheek. Uh, this may be a tongue-in-cheek thing. Uh, don't shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, same thing you said with Ottawa, right? Right, and let's be frank. Calgary will lose a game. I bet you it's going to be late in the season when their lot of concentration isn't at its peak. 
interesting lineup notes for this one. Granted, the game's not until Saturday, so we won't know for sure, but uh, Jeremiah Johnson could be back from injury, but it looks like Chris Rainey's a little bit uh, nicked up this week. And for Calgary, we don't know who the running back's going to be yet because Don Jackson and Terry Williams are still a little banged up, and perhaps Romar Morris gets another chance to start at running back this week. Um, but keys of the game for BC coming off the bye. What what what's the key there? Bye week energy. Um, you know you should be energized coming off a bye. That that's just my my opinion and my two cents. Um, but again, this if you want to make the playoffs, I'm not saying you have to win this game because I think that's not so impossible to be very honest with the way Calgary's playing. But you got to give some kind of positive, um, some kind of positive traction going for your second half of the season, which is already an uphill climb because you've lost one season series already within your division and you're close to losing a couple other. Like, there's not a lot of runway here for BC to work with. So they need to do something. I'm not saying they have to come out and win the game, but they have to come out and they have to double some kind of momentum going forward. Uh, picks in this one. Uh, mine's anticlimactic. I'm taking Calgary again. I'll take them every week till they lose. Uh, I really don't know when. I can't confidently say somebody's going to upset them until I see somebody actually crack this defense. And I don't know if BC is the team to do that. Maybe Travis Lule can, you know, he's performed well since he's come back from injury. Um, do I think he's going to come out and crack this Calgary defense? Not a whole lot. So I'll take Calgary at home again, where they're always dominant. I will take Calgary as well in a game that will surprise a lot of people with just how close it is. Now, close as in uh, a low-scoring close or medium or a high-scoring game? It'll be medium, somewhere in between. At the end of the day, I see Calgary pulling out a 28-23 win, something like that. Uh, if you had to pick a game of the week for this week, Mike, which one do you think it will be? Saskatchewan Edmonton. Why? Uh, Chris Jones to Edmonton. Um Edmonton didn't want to solidify their hold on on uh, second place for sure. Uh, if they lose this game, uh, for Edmonton's perspective anyway, you have a couple teams, Bombers, Edmonton, and Saskatchewan all at four and three. So for Edmonton, this is the game of separation. Saskatchewan trying to do both themselves and Winnipeg a big favor. And... Saskatchewan trying to right the ship after a terrible first quarter did them in last week. Agreed on that one. Uh, of course, the entertainment value also heavily comes in the Friday night game uh, between Montreal and Hamilton because Johnny Football uh, certainly attracts in a lot of fanfare and a lot of crowd uh, and a lot of noise on social media. He'll certainly attract my PVR, but not myself personally. Um, Mike, it's that time in the show. Let's get into our weekly interview. Again, there's no bomber game this week, so we can't do a, well, we could, uh, pick a game to do so, but we didn't want to do a full game breakdown. Instead, we figured we'd talk to another member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network that 
uh, covers the whole league on their show, so I had the pleasure of uh, speaking with Travis Curra of the Two and Out CFL podcast. He was kind enough to join me on very short notice yesterday for about half an hour or so uh, to talk uh, everything from the Week 8 matchups and the recent news around the CFL. So without further ado, let's get into my interview with Travis Curra. And now I'm pleased to be joined here by our guest for our Week 8 preview on the Canadian Football Countdown. He's one of the hosts of the Two and Out CFL podcast. It's the great Travis Curra. Travis, how are you? I'm good. Now that you call me the great, <laughs> I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Excited to talk more CFL this week. Uh, it seems not only are there, you know, three or four games every week, but we're getting mountainfuls of news every week with uh, only two days in. Uh, news is piling up already. Oh, yeah. It's like those divisional matchups are starting and then. Now we finally get to see Johnny Manziel start a game. The news is coming fast and furious. You're right. Yeah. Now, normally at this point in the show, we'd uh, we'd do a game preview of the Bombers and whoever they're playing against. But, well, they're not playing this week. They have the week off this week. So we figured what better way to still do a week eight preview than with somebody who covers the entire leagues themselves, as you guys do on the Two and Out CFL podcast. Um Overall, what's your take on what you've seen in the CFL from the first third of the season? You know, it's been uh, an interesting season so far because the there's been a lack of close games. Um, it, it seems like uh, uh, most of the games are just blowouts. And sometimes, you know, a team will have a blowout win one week and then a blowout loss the very next uh, it it kind of seems like teams don't really have their oh, consistency going yet. And <laughs> they've always said that the football gets better, you know, after Labor Day and heading into the playoffs. And it kind of seems like that's happening more than ever this season. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, you, you hit the nail on the head there with uh, not too many close games. I think there were four straight weeks where, there was really only one exciting games, you know, some were blowouts and ugly in that form and some were close games and ugly in another form. And I don't know if you call the game between Ottawa and Hamilton this past week ugly, um, but it was certainly something. Yeah. And, and what are the differences? Because last year, the season got off to a crazy start where every game was, you know, coming right down to the wire and what things changed. It was the challenges and it was the no padded practices during the week. Right. So I don't know if that's having an, an effect on the football. M- maybe it is. Maybe that's what we're seeing. <laughs> now, I've always wanted to know this. You are, of course, a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan, but uh, yes, you're, you're, you're in Alberta. How did you become a Riders fan in Alberta? Well, I was born in Saskatchewan. Ah. So I, I was born, yes, uh, I was born in Yorkton, Saskatchewan. That's about two hours away from Regina. And then uh, right before I started kindergarten, we moved to Lloyd Minster on the Saskatchewan side. I don't know if you know, it's a border town right Ah. in the middle of Saskatchewan and Alberta. So there's a a number of fan bases that meet in that city. But yeah, that's how I am a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan. But it it is kind of a a weird way to be a fan of, of your favorite team because I saw them play way more in Edmonton that I had ever seen them play in Regina simply because Regina is about five hour drive from Lloyd and Edmonton was just 
two and a half. So it was just mm. a bit easier to get to Edmonton. Just a tad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, we talked about a lot of news coming out early this week already, and the Riders were certainly at the bulk of most of that. Um, let's see, Zach Caleros off the six-game injured list and looking to start. Uh, your take on how the offense has gone with Brandon Bridge over the last several weeks, and how important is it to have Zach Caleros back? It hasn't seemed like Stephen McAdoo and the Riders really trust Brandon Bridge and really let him be himself out there, which I think he's a great mobile quarterback and you have to let him take risks. And sometimes with those risks comes turnovers, but they've really tried to rein him in, have a ball control offense, make make sure he's only throwing the short passes, the screens and things like that to limit the turnovers so I mean the offense has been really underwhelming to say the least and I, I think knowing what we know now it's clear that Zach Caleros was injured at the beginning of the year and for more than just that game against Ottawa when they put him on the six game injured list with a concussion because if you remember in the preseason he got smashed against Calgary and the Riders got smashed in general and I think that's probably where his injury problems started. And he admitted himself early this week that he was hurt in the preseason and he didn't tell any of the trainers or anything like that. But after the Ottawa game, I guess he finally fessed up to them and they put him on the six game injured list. Now, I don't know if he's going to be taking 100% of the reps against Edmonton. I am kind of worried on the short week that they're going to go back to that two quarterback system. Maybe even I three. Maybe, maybe that's going to be, you know, Jones's new trick he's got up his sleeve. And I'm just not a fan of the switching the quarterbacks every single series, but we'll see if he's good to go this week. Uh, and I think you and I both know Jones is not going to tell us exactly what he's going to do, especially against a divisional opponent. No, I've long said that there's no point in Chris Jones putting out a depth chart each week because it means nothing. Oh, exactly. <laughs> it's completely backwards sometimes. <laughs> uh, one thing that's getting back to normal on the depth chart, finally, it looks like in Saskatchewan, is Deron Carter practicing with the offense again this week. Boy, you have to kind of think Brandon Bridge is throwing his arms in the air and saying, why, can't, why couldn't I get that? Oh, the poor guy. Mm -hmm. And you even have to think that the other receivers are feeling that way too. Like Naaman Roosevelt, he gets you know, all the attention. Caleb Hawley is going to have a lot more space. It just helps the entire offense when Deron Carter is there. Now, I, I think in the last couple weeks, ever since the, the Montreal game, Deron and, has looked okay on defense. I guess he has, Jones, yeah. I, I don't know if Jones figured out a, a way to use him. He wasn't covering, you know, the speedy receivers against Hamilton and the <laughs> likes like that. And I think that was a smart move. But I don't think teams really game plan to stay away from Deron Carter when he's playing defense. But when he's on offense, you know that opposing defenses are definitely paying attention to him. So I think it helps the Riders a lot when he's on that side of the ball. And let's face it, I'd rather watch him uh, scoring touchdowns on offense than doing whatever he's doing on defense because he can't get a pick six every game. No, and uh, well, it started out that way where he was his first two games. <laughs> and 
but us to question which side of the ball you'd have more touchdowns on this year. But oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> hopefully we see now Deron Carter a bit more of a mainstay on offense. And then, of course, on the disappointing news front offensively for the Riders, uh, the whole Jerome Messam situation, uh, charged with voyeurism and re- subsequently released by the team. Uh, does this maybe, in a way, help the offense without Jerome Messam in that it clears things up in the backfield a little bit? Yeah, and I know f- some Rider fans are frustrated and of course I, I think we all are when yeah. th- this a career can end like this I mean what are you doing but the production hasn't been there from him and I think the riders they're better off with just going with Trey Mason and Marcus Thigpen Mason in the last few games has really looked like he's starting to get a hang of this Canadian game and he's broken some nice runs and Marcus Thigpen we know what he can do he had the you know the 80 yard touchdown a couple weeks ago he's a good receiver when he could catch the ball I know when he came back (laughs) off of suspension he didn't help Brandon Bridge up uh, a lot but I I think if they're going to go with three Canadian offensive linemen anyway it's not that big of a loss for the Riders and it saves some salary as well. So it is kind of a positive for this team. I agree. They do need the Canadian depth. Right. They do need that. It has been a struggle. So if any more injuries happen to Canadians, maybe they'll get into a little bit more trouble. But yeah, I I like the combination of Thigpen and uh, Trey Mason in the backfield. Is uh, is Chris Jones's next big move to try to play Deron Deron Carter at Canadian? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, can he do that? <laughs> I like that idea. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> um, and with Carter moving back to offense, that means somebody else needs to slot in at defensive back. It looks like Nick Marshall could finally be back, but uh, they also bring in another guy, which I don't think this is what many people uh, had in mind, is Marcel Young brought in at defensive back for the Riders. What do you make of that? Uh, if you ask Eskimo fans, they are not fans of Marcel Young, but no. I guess he would have played in Chris Jones's system back in 2015 when they won the Grey Cup in Edmonton. So maybe that's what Jones is thinking because he gets let go by BC and it basically seemed like the same day he was brought into Saskatchewan. So maybe he is finally committed that even an if, even if an injury happens at defensive back that Deron Carter stays on offense i guess they have a little bit of depth uh, at defensive back now and somebody that has played for Chris Jones before so that's what this uh, signing seems like to me uh, and then getting into the matchup with the Edmonton Eskimos this week conveniently you know Mike Riley going up against if he's in the lineup, Marcel Young and a bunch of other guys who used to play with the Eskimos. Uh, what do you make of this matchup with Edmonton this week, specifically after the Eskimos, I mean, full out stomped the Alouettes last Thursday? And you know what? The Eskimos haven't been the most consistent team this season either. They no. uh, come into the season as, I think, Grey Cup favorites by a lot of people, but they, they lost to Toronto, who... They don't look like a good team. Uh, They lost to Hamilton as well. Uh, Mazzoli had a great game uh, during that game in Edmonton, but 
they've kind of been all over the place. And then, you know, one week they can lose to an East Division opponent. The next week they're just walking all over them. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of team we see from Edmonton here. Saskatchewan's on a short week. They're on the road. They have struggled at Commonwealth <laughs> Stadium for, it seems like, the past 35 years. So they are in tough against uh, the Edmonton Eskimos because these guys coming back from uh, injury, they've only had a few days of practice. They're still going to be rusty. Who knows if they're going to be up to game shape. It is going to be a tough one to win for those Rough Riders. Yeah, and while you talk about their struggles at Commonwealth, I do remember last year when they walked into Commonwealth and uh, wiped the floor with the Eskimos and left. So I'm sure you're hoping yeah, for that another... doesn't happen often. <laughs> I'm sure you're hoping for another one just like that. Uh, if if the Riders' offense was going to break out any game, I get this. I don't know if it's a hunch, this suspicion. It could be this one. You know, Zach Caleros back from injury. Ron Carter back on offense, a bit of clarity at the at the running back position. If the offensive line can, you know, do their part and keep Zach Caleros upright, this Edmonton defense, I think, has shown some signs that, you know, you can put the yards and you can put the points up against them. I totally agree. And the the rider offensive line has looked a lot better in the last few games than they have in the past or even at the beginning of the season. So if they're able to play well against Edmonton, the only thing is that Edmonton looked, and who again, who knows what they're going to do because they've been kind of inconsistent. They were throwing the house at Vernon Adams and the Alouettes last week. Right. So if they do that against Saskatchewan, I think it'll be tough on Zach Caleros. But again, if they stick, with the screens, if uh, they're able to get the ball off fast, it might be okay. It's going to be a real interesting game Thursday night. Uh, give us a pick in this one. Saskatchewan, Edmonton, who do you think's winning? Okay, I've, I've been going to Commonwealth Stadium for years. I always pick against the Riders when they play <laughs> in Edmonton. <laughs> so I'm going to be picking against my team again. I think the Esks uh, squeak by, but I think it's going to be a, a hard-fought close battle. I would agree with you on that one. Uh, backtracking to the first game of a rare Thursday night doubleheader. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why we've got two games on a Thursday night, but nonetheless, more Thursday nights, more times we hear uh, that theme song. Um, yeah. <laughs> Are you tired of it yet? Uh, you know what? I like it. It's probably one of the first country songs I've liked in years. So that's fair. Uh, that's I'll, fair. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's very fair. Uh, Ottawa, <laughs> Toronto, Thursday night, kicking it off. Uh, big news in this one is that McLeod Bethel Thompson is getting the start for the Argos. Uh, what's your take on that? Do you agree with that? Well, Toronto needs to do something uh, to make things happen because that offense has done nothing the entire year, but th they, they, they've struggled running the ball. They really only have one option at receiver, and that's S.J. Green after DeVere Posey left in the offseason. So I don't think things are going to fare any better for the Argonauts in this one. Now, this is real interesting because it, it, it seems like Jim Pop is more of a James Franklin guy than Mark Tresman is. Tresman seems to like McLeod Bethel Thompson, and he even talked him up in the preseason. And as as far as what he said in the media, 
he had said that that number two position between Franklin and Bethel Thompson was a lot closer than people thought it was going to be in this season. So Trespin seems to be a fan of him. We'll see if he's a, a fan of him for good reason against <laughs> Ottawa. Yeah, we'll see if that lasts longer than one game. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you talked about the wide receivers. You know, people have kind of thrown James Franklin under the bus, especially after the last two games against the Bombers, in which they got blown out in both of them. But, I mean, if you don't have anyone to throw the ball to and your offensive line's not necessarily protecting you much, I mean, there's not much you can do. It's what we've seen with Montreal. It's what we've seen with Saskatchewan this season. Um, Part of it is on the quarterback, but at the end of the day, if you don't give him the tools to succeed... There's not much he's going to be able to do to succeed. I 100% agree. I mean, if Ricky Ray was still back there, I know that unfortunate injury uh, early in the year, I I don't think the results would be any different, really. Um, He's got no support. I mean, uh, what did Wilder have against Winnipeg rushing the game in Toronto? Didn't he have, like, minus two yards? Yeah, minus two. If, if, If you're rushing for nothing... That does not help your young quarterback at all. So he's not been put in a position to succeed so far in Toronto. Now they uh, they try to tighten up that offensive line after giving up seven sacks, or sorry, four sacks. It was seven turnovers to the Bombers last week, uh, acquiring Ryan Bauman from the Montreal Alouettes in exchange for TJ Heath, and they swapped some picks there. So perhaps, you know, a little bit of urgency here from Jim Pop and uh, Mark Tressman to get the offense turned around. And I think, I mean, rightfully so, they haven't put up more than 20 points on a year yet. Uh, They're facing the Red Blacks, who sit first in the East Division. Didn't score a touchdown last week, but still somehow put 21 points on the board. Thank you, Lewis Ward, for that one. Um, What do you make of Ottawa so far? They're another team that can't really stay consistent, at least as far as their offense goes. They have really struggled getting uh, Greg Ellingson and Deontay Spencer firing on all cylinders to start the year. Um, Of course, Sinopoli is going. (laughs) He is having the year of a lifetime. This is shaping up to be one of the, I think, the best years for a Canadian receiver in a long, long time. He's having an amazing game. But Ottawa's defense, I think, is probably surprising a few people. But... Kyrie Z. Bear, say what you want about him. The guy up the middle with no Thorpe as the D coordinator, they are playing some really good ball. And you saw it last week against Hamilton. <laughs> Hamilton didn't score a touchdown until, you know, two minutes left in the fourth quarter. So uh, I think once Ottawa can get that offense firing in all cinder- cylinders, and we've seen it from. Uh, Trevor Harris in the past, where he can put up MOP numbers, throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns, and then just give you some real stinkers. And this is the year for him. I know that a lot of quarterbacks have their contracts expiring after the year, with the CBA being negotiated after the season. But this is a real big one for Trevor Harris, because I think the Red Blacks only brought him back for one season. They want to see what he's really made of. It is a big one for him. The pressure is on, but uh, they're in good shape all of a sudden after that win against Hamilton, they're sitting at first in the Eastern Division. So at least they're, you know, winning games. It doesn't matter how you win; it just matters that you win. So, not to mention, then, uh, 
not to mention they're four and zero in winnable football games this season. Yeah, and, so and by that I mean winning the game, and then by that I mean games not against Calgary. Yeah, exactly. So they're winning the games that they should. I, I don't know if I can blame them for struggling offensively against the Stampeders. I guess maybe this one's a good barometer to see how that offense is really playing against Toronto. So Ottawa, Toronto, who are you taking uh, on the Thursday night game? I got the Red Blacks. I would, I would agree with you on that one as well until we see something change for Toronto. Uh, and then we get into what I believe is the... Friday night game, uh, if I'm correct, the Montreal Alouettes hosting the Hamilton Tiger Cats. This is the one that's going to be talked about all week long, obviously, because, well, uh, Johnny Manziel is going to start at quarterback. Uh, I thought Vernon Adams played great against Edmonton last week. I thought he deserved another start this week. Uh, what do you make of the whole Montreal quarterback situation? I mean, of course, Vernon Adams deserves a start uh, this week, but he has kind of gotten the short side of the stick so far in his CFL career, hasn't he? Everywhere he goes. <laughs> There's always something. And you know what? Last week, it might have been a completely different game. The three missed field goals. Uh, Chris Harper had that deep pass go right through his hands. I know he dived and it would have been tough, but that game looks a lot different if Adams is able to connect on those plays and that 23 points was almost as good as the Al's offense has put up the entire year. Yeah. <laughs> so that being said, they paid a lot to get Johnny Manziel there. They give up Jamal Westerman. They give up the two first round picks. They give up Chris Williams. I, they almost have to start. And the fans in Montreal now expect it because last week they they promised that Manziel was going to get into the game. He didn't. I, I just think it's a great story that Manziel is already starting against the team that traded him not even two weeks after they did. <laughs> it's yeah. I, I don't know how he's going to play. I know that in CFL Fantasy this week, I took the Tiger Cat defense. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, I might have Johnny in my lineup. I need to take a chance and make up some points here. <laughs> Ooh, let's see what happens there. Did wait, you catch wait. what Vernon Adams said? Yeah. That, that's Tuesday morning? Gonna, yeah, I was going to ask you about that as well. You know, Vernon Adams a little less kind of okay with all of the Johnny Manziel noise than Jeremiah Mazzoli was in Hamilton and... I, I think his comments are fair. You know, like you said, the bad luck has followed the guy wherever he goes. He's in Montreal, or he's in BC, gets traded to Montreal before he ever even plays a game. Uh, he gets a couple starts in Montreal, then goes to Saskatchewan. Then all of the other quarterbacks that were with him in Montreal go to Saskatchewan and pass him on the depth chart. He goes to Hamilton, gets passed by Johnny Manziel, gets traded to Montreal, where once again, passed by Johnny Manziel. He's had a rough road. <laughs> I mean, you can't make this up. No. So uh, I, I get he's a competitor. Uh, he was frustrated. And I, I think it's a little bit uh, refreshing to see some honesty from a player. I know people are going to say quit whining, be a professional and all this stuff. But it was nice to see some honesty from uh, from an athlete. Because usually we're just getting the cliches when they're asked questions. Right. Yeah. You got to watch the game film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give 110%. <laughs> uh, let's talk the Ticats side of things. Uh, 
Jeremiah Mazzoli did get back into the 300-yard passing yard game again this week, but again, they didn't put up a touchdown until the final couple minutes there against Ottawa. They looked really strong to start the season. They've struggled in recent weeks. I think that's three straight losses now for the Ticats. Uh, what happened? It, it kind of just seems like, because they're moving the ball, uh, they're moving the ball a lot. They did struggle against Saskatchewan. He did have the one 300-yard passing game against them, but they are starting. It's crazy. Uh, it took about the fifth game in the year, I think, for Hamilton to start a drive in the opponent's end of the field. So they are constantly uh, starting deep in their own end. So even if they do move the ball 40 or 50 yards down the field, they're not able to finish drives with the touchdown. And I think the offense has really missed Luke Tasker in the last uh, few games. I guess he is going to be returning against Montreal. So that'll be nice for them because – the rest of the receivers, and they didn't have Terrence Tolliver last week. They're small guys. These, right. <laughs> these yeah. guys might be 150 pounds soaking wet. So uh, Luke Tasker, while he's still a small guy, he's not afraid to run the dirty routes and get down the middle and get in traffic and make those tough catches. So it'll be good to have him back. And then Terrence Tolliver adds some size to that receiving core. I think when we saw the Tiger Cats succeeding – is when they were running the ball, and they seemed to abandon it uh, a few times. Last week, I think John White only had eight carries for 25 yards. I know the output is not ideal, but when you're able to run the ball, it helps your team. Yeah, for sure. A lot, and they have a they have a lot of running options in Hamilton, so uh, I don't know why they kind of stopped using those guys early in the season. Mercer Timmis was putting up touchdowns left and right, and look at that. They were winning games. Yeah, and now it looks like Alex Green could be coming back soon, so maybe we could get five running backs going for the Ticats. <laughs> and it seemed, well, they, they really liked him last year, and they yep. were using him a lot, so we'll see if they get him right back into the thick of things. So, Ticats, Alouettes, Friday night. Does, uh, does Manziel pick up the win in his first career start, or uh, does Hamilton shut him down? What a story that would be. But I think this is so funny because Jamal Westerman never got to be Madzell's teammate. <laughs> and he took a run at him in uh, the preseason. He slapped the ball in his hands on the sideline. I think Westerman's going to go Manzel hunting and I'm taking the Tiger Cats. That, that, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I'd get out of that guy's way too. And then the final game of the week has the BC Lions in Calgary to face Calgary. Um, big story is obviously that Calgary's still undefeated. Uh, Saskatchewan put points on the board somewhat against them last week. Their average, I think, per game is up to something like 10.6 allowed. Uh, can BC increase that slightly? Well, I don't think they're going to win but maybe they can get more than 10.6. <laughs> at least I hope so. You know, coming off the bye, you would think they'd be able to come up with some sort of game plan, and, you know, with Wally Buono still there and everything. And even though they lost that tough one to, I think it was Ottawa before the yeah. bye, um, 
They look like a different team with Travis Lule there. You know, as a Bomber fan. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. At BC Place. They just look like a different team with him. He's got that sort of it factor that the team just, you know, rallies around it and and, and plays a lot better. So I, I don't think they're going to win. I hope they put up a fight. But uh, they should be able to raise that average uh, at least a few ticks <laughs> i don't know if ty long's too busy diving all over the field he might not have time to make those kicks it, it kind of <laughs> you know wally buono an old punter in this league he must be teaching him some tricks of the trade because what's he doing out there it's frustrating <laughs> uh yeah you mentioned that they almost won that game against ottawa i guess two weeks ago because they were on the bye week this past week i mean yeah if Travis Lule, you know, snaps the ball two seconds earlier. They probably win that football game if they don't take that crucial time oh, yeah. late in the game. Uh, from Calgary's side of things, I mean, what? when do they lose a game this year? I don't know. It's tough to pick them to lose at home. That, that almost becomes, like, they're so good at home. I... You know what? Man, this sounds crazy. They got the Riders again on August 19th in Regina. If they haven't lost by then, Caleros is back in the lineup for a few weeks and the defense is still playing the way it is, maybe it happens then. Other than that, I think we're just going to get surprised and they'll probably lose to Montreal <laughs> in Montreal or something like yep, that. Yeah, week 17. <laughs> yeah, circle that date on your calendar. <laughs> That's going to be the barn burner. <laughs> averaging ten and, and a half points, 10 and a half points a game against every week until Manziel puts up 40 yeah Johnny <laughs> football takes down the mammoth uh, stampeders <laughs> oh man God. it's just it's incredible that Calgary can keep doing this and yeah I agree with you I don't see them losing a game anytime soon you know, in the in the three four years I've been playing CFL Pick'em and making picks on this podcast, I think I've picked Calgary every regular season game but one because it's it's just the best odds. And you've done pretty well. <laughs> you probably had eighty five percent success rate. <laughs> uh, so who are you taking in this one, Calgary? I'm assuming. Yeah, I got the Stampeders. I can't pick against them. Now, uh, you cover a bit of CFL fantasy on your podcast every week. Uh, it looked like you had a very fine week yourself this past week. So uh, can we get any Travis tips for CFL fantasy for this week? Because after I took Montreal's defense and got negative two points last week, I don't know if people want my tips. I have uh, my lineup in already, and I'm going after... I'm going after Montreal. They've given up the most passing touchdowns in the CFL so far. So I got J Jalen Saunders and Jeremiah Mazzoli. And you can't go wrong with Duke Williams. The guy seems like he's getting 100 yards every single week from Edmonton. And I actually like one of the rider running backs. I either Thigpen or uh, Mason because they're getting all the carries. And uh, you're able to get a cheaper running back when Andrew Harris is off. <laughs> He takes up 25% of your lineup. <laughs> yeah, you take Mike Riley and Andrew Harris, and you have 14000 left for five positions. Oh, <laughs> there you go. You got your two players. <laughs> it's wild. I don't know if Duke Williams continues this. Like eventually, by week 21, you'll only be able to fit Duke Williams in your lineup. Nobody else. 
Yeah, he's going to be more than the Mike, Mike Riley if he keeps us up until Labor Day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, if you had to pick a game of the week for this week, which one do you think it will be? Ooh, it's got to be Saskatchewan and Edmonton, I think. Um, Chris Jones has really tried to have the perfect game plan possible when going back to Edmonton. We even saw it uh, two years ago when the Riders were a bad team. They go to Edmonton and take them to overtime. So I, I think Jones really likes to beat his old teams, whether it's Calgary or Edmonton. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. So that's my pick for game of the week. Although I do live in Red Deer, I'll be going to the game. It looks like we might be getting another rainy one in the city of champions. So I got my poncho ready. I don't like sitting in the rain, but hopefully that doesn't affect the game at all. Now, of course, you say you have your fantasy lineup set for this week, but we both know you'll change it about 60 times before kickoff, just like I do yep. every week. Uh <laughs> Oh boy, the number of hours I put into changing that each week. You know, we might need to start a uh, Canadian Football Podcast Network uh, fantasy setting live stream where we just sit there and uh, spend three hours in a row altering our lineups. Well, I, I always <laughs> like to try to get to like zero dollars left. Like that's what I'm always trying to get. And I, I made it to five dollars a few weeks ago and had the worst week <laughs> of the season. And last week I had almost $900 left. So uh, that's my big tip. Try to ignore the remaining salary. I do it every time. I, I mess that up every time. It is so hard to not try to get it, you know, to at least 50 bucks or under, but half the time it really doesn't work out for you. And if you want a $2,500 player, I'm looking at Jordan Robinson. Has it been two straight games? The Riders have given up a punt return for a touchdown. Maybe that streak continues for the Eskimos, and they're starting to get him involved in that offense a little bit more as well. But you're right. I, I might try a lineup of Trevor Harris against the Argos. Maybe <laughs> uh, I'm going to drive myself nuts. <laughs> I do every week. Uh, line up with Vernon Adams in case Manziel fails. Uh I think he's $7,000, which that's more than, I'm pretty sure that's more than even like Zach Caleros. The guy yep, hasn't yep. played a game yet. So uh, the TSN's taking advantage of it too. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Well, oh, we, yeah. are, we are out of time here, but before I let you go, I do want to uh, give you an opportunity. Where can people find you on social media and where can they find your podcast and all you do? Sure. So myself, I'm Travis underscore Cura, C-U-R-R-A-H on Twitter. And uh, the podcast is at Two and Out CFL. We actually release a show every Monday and Thursday morning. So the Monday one is talking about the week that was the Thursday one talking about the week that will be. So, yeah, I'll have another show out uh, bright and early Thursday morning, I think it comes out at 8 a.m. Easter every uh, Eastern every single week. <laughs> Wonderful. Great early morning drive. Listen on the way to work. Uh, tune in to the Two and Out CFL podcast for all of the uh, CFL talk, uh, fantasy insight, and of course other tips as well, such as putting shredded cheese on your Subway sub. Uh, I tried oh, that. Yeah, especially today. if you're going to toast it. I tried that today. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing I was having you on the podcast, I figured I'd try it for the first time. It was delicious. 
Nice. I am so glad you liked it. <laughs> well, Travis, that's thanks, awesome. Thanks for taking the time to join us here on the podcast. Hey, the pleasure is mine. Thanks for having me. And that was Travis Curra of the Two and Out CFL podcast joining me here on the Canadian Football Countdown to talk with the matchups from Week 8 and even give us a little bit of Travis's tips for CFL Fantasy for this week. Uh, speaking of CFL Fantasy, let's get into our Fantasy Fix for Week 8. Mike, uh, welcome back, Michael Garrell. Uh, and let's get into the Fantasy Talk. Yeah, I mean, Ryan, you know, when, when we looked at you know, fantasy um, as a whole, what would you kind of suggest is a position of of utmost importance for someone trying to build, you know, a fantasy roster for any week? So here, here's the thing. Everyone always says the quarterback is the most, most important fantasy position. Uh, and people saying, you know, you want to make sure you get high production from your quarterback. I actually don't believe that. I, I don't weigh the quarterback as any more important than, say, a wide receiver position, especially with points per reception as part of the game this year. Um, I'm one who does like to take, you know, a value pick at quarterback every week because if I can, you know, get something around a 15-point week for my guy for, say, $6,000, $7,000, yeah, Mike Riley might go and do what he did last week and put up 41.2 but I don't necessarily know if I'm willing to spend the money on that when I could load up other key positions like wide receiver. Okay, so now you've kind of touched on your, your mindset for when it comes to to, to, to putting a fantasy roster together every week. I'll talk about some of your premium pickups for uh, this week. Yeah, premium pickups. These are guys that you're going to pay quite a bit for, but I think they're must-starts in your lineup if you can afford them. Uh, at the quarterback position, it's said Mike Riley that, you know, I just talked about. Uh, $14,000, he's the most expensive player in the game, but he's going to put points up every week. Uh, he averages 28.3 a week, and last week set the record with a 41.2-point performance. Uh, you're basically guaranteed at least 20 from him every week. I mean, he's had one week under that. Uh, only two weeks under 25. Mike Riley is about as consistent as it gets and as dominant as it gets in the CFL. So at the quarterback position, uh, if you can find value elsewhere, uh, I see no problem in putting Mike Riley in there, but it's tough to find the value to make up for that. I consider it kind of to be like the NHL salary cap, right? You want to distribute your salary cap. You know, you don't want one guy taking up the bulk of your uh, the bulk of your salary, if you can get value, kind of spread it out throughout your roster. Uh, running backs uh, premium pickups this week: William Powell, seven thousand eight hundred twenty-two. Uh, you know they he was shut down for the most part against Hamilton last week, but still put up thirteen point eight points. Uh, he averages fifteen point eight, which was certainly hurt by that second game against Calgary, where he was held to basically nothing. Um, you know, he's facing a Toronto defense that just two weeks ago gave Andrew Harris his career best in it, his best game of his career. So William Powell is one of the top running backs in the league. Uh, he has the ability to explode if Ottawa uses him properly, and I'm not sure Toronto's defense can stop him. The other guy here is Terrell Sutton, and, and this might seem like a crazy lock uh, to some people because he's a member of a Montreal offense that doesn't score a lot, but... Oddly enough, he's averaged 13.95 fantasy points a week, almost as many as William Powell. 
Uh, and this is when he's only actually put up one touchdown on the year. So if the offense hasn't put many points on the board. I think with Johnny Manziel in the lineup, you know, he'll be relying on Terrell Sutton a lot this week uh, to take a bit of pressure off of him there. And uh, Sutton, when he's given the ball properly, uh, he performs every week. Now let's quickly talk about some of your premium pickups when it comes to guys that uh, make their quarterbacks look good. Which is the wide receiver position. These are two guys I basically try to fit in my lineup every week now. Duke Williams uh, has tied the Eskimos record for uh, consecutive 100-yard games. He's put up over 100 yards, five straight games. Uh, which has led to five straight games of over 20 fantasy points. He averages 20, just over 22. Uh, his salary is uh, is pretty high. It's 8,359. That's skyrocketed over the last, you know, over basically the first third of the season. But Duke Williams, he, here's the interesting thing, because it, it's almost a bit of a game of cat and mouse, right? In that. Duke Williams is eventually one day this season going to have a bad game where he doesn't put up the points on the board, he doesn't put up the yards, and he doesn't get as many catches. And, and you want to try to get into that point where that's the week you don't take Duke Williams, but at the same time, are you willing to play that game uh, and risk that, knowing how he keeps producing like this? I think you have to have him in your lineup each week. Yeah, and the, and the question is, I guess, uh, just a little add-on is, how do you know which week is his bad week? And, and I think, honestly, it could be this week against Saskatchewan because, like we talked about earlier, that's the toughest defense he's faced yet this year. But I, I still think he, you know, until he proves you're wrong, uh, I, I'm i scared to leave him out of my lineup with the amount he's been producing. Another guy is Brad Sinopoli, $7,113. Uh, he averages 18.7 points a week. Uh, and he has two of the biggest fantasy performances of the year. Uh, you know, he had two games with 11 catches. I think he had nine this past week. He, he has a pretty high floor because you know you're going to basically almost get 10 points a week at least from Brad Sinopoli. And uh, if he can get in the end zone and, you know, rack up the yards, you're going to get a much better week than that. So I think he's a premium pickup this week as well. Uh, and then on defense, you know, if you are going to play a defense, which if you listened to Ben Kramer, uh, CFL fantasy expert, when he came on our podcast last week, you always should pick a defense. And no, I've been told that does not mean you pick the Alouettes, uh, which I tried last week and lost two points because of it. Um, but if you're going to pick a defense, it's got to be Calgary or Saskatchewan if you can find a way to afford it. You know, Calgary averages 10.33. They're facing the Lions, who struggled offensively for large portions of the season. Um, Saskatchewan puts up about 10.5, but they're facing Mike Riley, so I don't know if that's going to be a good day for the Riders. I like Calgary's defense until they break. Now, what if you have a really good core of a roster, and you're looking for guys that are kind of but you can get it a bargain. So if you're going to the dollar store and you want to have a look at the bargain band, who might you find in there? At the quarterback position, Zach Caleros coming off the injured list is who I'm looking at. You have a couple guys that might be considered bargain plays this week. Um, McLeod Bethel Thompson getting his first start as an Argo. Uh, you've got Johnny Manziel at a $7,000 salary. 
Uh, that might be a bit high for a guy that's never played in the CFL. And honestly, another guy that's real bargain this week is Travis Lue at something like 6,100. But he's facing Calgary's defense. I like Caleros against Edmonton's defense a little more. Uh, his, he's averaged 8.25 points this year, but I mean, he was injured in the second game he played. He's only played two. Uh, he's got Deron Carter to throw the ball to, Naaman Roosevelt. I think we're going to see a pretty decent game for that value from Zach Caleros this week. How about if you're uh, looking for a running bat? This depends on whether he plays this week. Is Romar Morris of the Calgary Stampeders? Uh, Terry Williams, Don Jackson, both a little bit injured. They might not play this week. Um, Romar Morris in the last two games has, you know, put up 8.4 and 13.3 fantasy points. I could see, I, I could see him if he gets into the lineup having a good day against a BC defense that struggles against the run. Okay, so if I'm looking for a drive, it's going to make the quarterback look good and catch maybe a couple touchdowns and, and get a whole bunch of yards. Uh, who am I looking at? Uh, at a cheap price? I mean, here here's the real interesting one, and I don't know how you can't put him in your lineup at the price he's at, and that's Deron Carter. He's only $3,763 because he's been on defense for the majority of the season. Um I expect them to utilize him now that he's back on offense quite a bit. Uh, he's one of the best receivers in the game when he's on his game, and I, I think he's got something to prove that, yeah, he belongs back on the offensive side of the ball here, uh, and that's where he's most useful for the team. So I love Deron Carter. I will have Deron Carter in my lineup this week most likely. Is there any worry that he doesn't make it out of the game on offense and something happened? And the Raiders put him back on defense. I don't know. I think, if anything, they'd put him at both. You mentioned already Caleb Hawley not being in the lineup this week. I think if something drastic happens, you know, Deron Carter has shown he can play both sides of the ball in the same game. Uh, so maybe they do that. The other one at wide receiver for me is Eugene Lewis of the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, Montreal is a very interesting case here because we don't know what to expect from Johnny Football. But... If you look at his targets, he has a lot of value play receivers in his in his arsenal. Uh, you know, maybe earn you know the big name guys, Ernest Jackson, B.J. Cunningham, and Adarius Bowman. Uh, Cunningham has certainly performed well, but the other two haven't yet this year. But then there's Eugene Lewis. He's twenty five hundred dollars. He averages six point two eight points a game this year. Uh, he has been shown to be a bit of a deep threat for the Alouettes if he can come down with the ball, and, and I have a feeling Manziel might try to throw a deep one his way. Okay, so if I'm looking for a bargain bin defensively, should I choose to take the defense? Is it wise to take Ottawa? I think so, just based on the fact that they're facing Toronto's offense. You know, you look at the bargain plays, uh, maybe it's Hamilton against Montreal's uh, Montreal's offense, but Hamilton hasn't put up a lot of fantasy points. I don't like BC's defense against Calgary necessarily, um, but what do I like? I I really like Ottawa against Toronto's offense. Ottawa has put up 6.16 points on average a game, and uh, Toronto <laughs> Toronto really hasn't gotten anything going offensively. They gave up seven turnovers and four sacks to the Bombers the past week. Okay, so some of your fantasy concerns under the category of dollar drainers, if, you, if there's somebody you want on your team, but 
You're worried you may not get the value that you're listed at, particularly at quarterback. Uh, why is Travis Lulay a bit of a, a risky pick? Yeah, this is a guy that I keep out of my lineup. Uh, I don't trust to put him in my lineup this week. Is Travis Lulay against Calgary's defense simply because he is facing Calgary's defense. I love Travis Lulay as a quarterback. I think he has the potential to have big games in him. But uh, I stay away from that until Calgary's defense shows a sign of cracking. And that's the same reason why I have Jeremiah Johnson on this list as well as a guy I'm staying away from at running back is simply until you face Calgary's defense and you succeed against them until somebody does. I don't really trust anybody from the Lions this week. A bit of a surprising name, but might scratch some people's head that's on your list, uh, S.J. Green. Well, yeah, if we're talking last year, then maybe. But so far this year, S.J. Green has really only had one big game. Uh, I talked about Toronto's offensive struggles, and they just can't get it done offensively. You know, S.J. Green has been quiet for most of the year. Maybe McLeod Bethel-Thompson leans on him a little in his first game this week. But against Ottawa's defense, I I don't like taking S.J. Green when there's other players, you know, around the same salary as him or even cheaper that that are going to put you more points up this week. And sorry to put you on the spot. Uh, Somebody that really hurt you uh, in fantasy last week, but it's no surprise to me that on this list... uh, ended up charting in at minus two defensively, and and that's the Montreal Alouettes. Yeah, I'm, I'm not taking Montreal's defense again. You know, as much as I want to take some risks and get ahead in CFL Fantasy, I, I'm not doing that this week. Uh, negative two points last week. They put up just 14 in six games. Uh, I, I, I can't trust that kind of output. Uh, you know, if, might as well have not picked the defense last week. Would have saved me two points and possibly gained me elsewhere. So, I don't think Montreal's the one to pick this week. And just to end things off on the fantasy note here, Mike, my Hail Mary pick for the week. Uh, this is a guy that, uh, you know, much like a Hail Mary, you throw it up in the air. You don't have a lot of confidence that you're actually going to succeed with it. But, uh, you know, if if something happens, you, you could win big. And, and that is Ernest Jackson of the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, you know, what happened to Ernest Jackson? Because just a couple short years ago, he was one of the best receivers in the league. He led Ottawa to the Grey Cup win. Um, he's been underutilized in his time in Montreal. And really this year, he just hasn't been playing good. I, I have to wonder if, if with the new quarterback behind him, if there's going to be a bit of a connection here between uh, Johnny Manziel and Ernest Jackson. So he's my Hail Mary pick of the week. Interesting, Ryan. In what way? Well, I mean, I mean, you know, I don't know too much about fantasy. I just know a lot about these players, and I, I think hearing your rationale for for you know premium pickups, bargain bin buys, dollar drainers, and hail mary, and 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 of course the hail mary pit, you know, hearing your reasoning makes me feel a lot more comfortable as a fantasy football player and would allow me to at least get, you know, a certain opinion. Absolutely. Uh, that does it for our week eight preview, Mike. Uh, any super final thoughts here? Well, it's going to be weird. Uh, it's going to be weird to have no bomber game. Uh, but, of course, for Winnipeggers heading out to the cabin like myself, hopefully, you know, you don't have to worry about missing the bomber game on a long weekend. 
Absolutely. And uh, the nice thing about the two games on Thursday night this week is if you are heading out to the cabin on Friday, you're able to still take in two of the four games this week before then. So a doubleheader kicks things off Thursday night. Should be an interesting week in the CFL. Again, just to recap, if you haven't already done so, check out our Week 7 recap episode of the podcast. That's out on all the platforms. And uh, stay tuned for our content coming out next week with our Week 8 recap and Week 9 preview. Um, Check out the podcast on all the podcast platforms, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Check out our website at mikefmwinnipeg.com slash the Canadian Football Countdown. That last part all hyphenated. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at CFC on MikeFM. Stay tuned for uh, all of our thoughts there, and uh, I'll try to post my final fantasy lineup this week. And uh, watch out for my power rating by midday tomorrow. Absolutely. Uh, For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening to the Canadian Football Countdown. Enjoy this week's games. Enjoy the long weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye.